0: Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Q's.
1: Hello, good people, and welcome to Movie Reviews in 20 Q's, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined this week by my regular co-host, Stacey Hurley. How are you, Stacey?
2: I am super excited today, Sam, to be here for this special Christmas episode.
1: Yes. Now, what makes this episode so special is that we are joined by two of our favourite other podcasters out there, the first you recognise from our episode on The Thing. It's Paul from The Countdown Podcast. Welcome to the party, pal.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Stacey. It's wonderful to be here. It uh, almost feels a little bit like I have snuck into the building wearing a Design a suit and, how, and I'm going to take control of this particular podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> can't wait, can't wait. And the second guest, well, you'll recognise her from our Top Gun episode. That's right. I now have a Gidget. Ho ho ho! <laughs> how are you, Gidget? Hey,
3: I am in the festive mood. I have decorated myself like a Christmas tree, and I am ready to be dropped. From a very large height. Yep. Very excited to be here. So thank you for having me, Sam and Stacy. And hey y'all, Paul, how you doing?
0: I am good, thanks, to PK, motherfucker. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so
1: we were meant to also be joined by Daniel from the IMDB Journey Podcast, but he's about as reliable as a boomerang in a tornado. Oh,
4: so.
1: So nah, unfortunately he couldn't make it for some decent reasons and he sends his regards and we'll still use his questions that he submitted to us as part of the show. But before we get into our usual spiel and show, let's hear a little bit from our guests. We started off with you, Paul, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and why it's more badass than driving a limo into an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> only slightly,
0: only slightly. Uh, on my <laughs> podcast with my friend Wayne, we count down a movie or TV related topic every week from 10 to 1 and basically give each other a whole heap of shit about each other's choices. That's pretty much the spiel we can- throw in a review of a new release film as well because that's the way we get to go and see free movies that's why we're going to do that and keep doing that yes and it's goddamn awesome oh thank you it's very kind of you
1: and the uh other one gidget why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about retro cinema and why it's better than a thousand boxes of donuts from a (laughs) 7-eleven
3: so the retro cinema i do it with angry man and i mean i record with angry man and we do a (laughs) podcast dedicated to that wonderful decade of 80s movies. So we do a movie per podcast. We also at the end of the month do a top 10 of a 80s particular list. And it's a really big one, we'll do a double episode like Scarface or The Abyss or Blade Runner, something like that. But we only podcast the 80s movies we loved back then because we're both old and we still love now.
1: That's great. Both your guys' shows are awesome. I've been on both. I had a whale of a time both times.
3: I'm I'm still recovering from Vampire's Kiss.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was something else. (laughs) Okay, so if you're sitting at home and you've never actually seen Die Hard, you've probably got something wrong with you. But uh, (laughs) if you want to listen along, Stacey is going to hit us with a plot of the film Die Hard. So what's the plot, Stacey?
2: NYPD cop John McLean tries to save his wife Holly Gennaro And several others that were taken hostage by German terrorist Hans Gruber During a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles now, It was more than a few people, wasn't it? It was a whole company Yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was like at least, I do know, 50 people there
1: Yeah, yeah about that okay, right <laughs> So over to the reviews, IMDb have this at 8.2 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes at a whopping 93%, and fuck Metacritic, it's always coming in low, and it has done it again at 70%. But Paul, what would you give this movie as a score out of 10,000 machine guns?
0: Well, when I was on the show for The Thing, I did rate The Thing as 10 million out of 10,000, and (laughs) I'm very, very fortunate that the two times I've been on your fine, fine show have been two of my favourite films of all time, so I'm going to have to give it exactly the same score. Ten million out of ten thousand.
1: Coming in hot. (laughs) It's
3: all downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I look. I I love Die Hard. is is it in my, my top echelon of 80s movies? No, but it's pipping around the outskirts. So I would probably give it... A, I can't do the big number, so I'll just say that it's an 8.5 out of 10.
1: It's high. That's yeah. still a good score. Yeah. And the yin to our yang, <laughs> Stacey Hurley, the woman that took three attempts to watch this movie and then threw a tantrum during the third...
2: No, actually, I did watch it three times.
1: No, you watched <laughs> it once. You're forgetting that the TV reminds us what part we've got up to while watching the movie, Stacey. So while I might have fell asleep the second time... I know how far you got along.
2: (laughs) Well, I think actually that may have had something to do with my score because I do like this movie. I originally had a number and then I scribbled it out and it went down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she had one single number and she scribbled it out.
2: (laughs) Um, Because Sam made me watch it again and I'm like, I've already seen this. Do we have to? So I'm going 6,499.
0: Blasphemy!
2: Oh my heart My heart heart almost
0: gave out. (laughs) Sam, please, please rescue New Zealand's reputation here. (laughs)
1: Oh, of course. I do feel sorry for Stacey because watching it with me is probably akin to a war crime or something that's banned (laughs) under the Geneva Convention in terms of like cruel and unusual punishment because, yeah, I am an ultimate fanboy, and after every single second of This Is Awesome was followed by a slow thrust into the bed that we were watching it on. (laughs) I'm just, yes,
2: this movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) movie is the best. So I'm right there with you, Paul. I'm 10 million out of 10,000 machine guns. Fuck yeah, stack them high. This is one of the best movies of all time. We'll get into that a little bit more when we do our first question, which is, well, I'll start with a bit of a spiel first. If you're a long-time listener, normally we do 10 questions that you can apply to any film and then three personal questions each from the host. But this time around, as we've got, well, it was going to be five of us, we're going to do five questions that you can apply to any film and then 15 personal questions. The first of which is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good, and Paul, lead us off.
0: This is going to be pretty easy, at least two-thirds of this question. One good thing is the pacing of this film. After the perfect opening, which we get to know just enough about everybody to care about them, the action and or tension never really lets up from there. The film, for me at least, flies by. Say nothing, Stacey. (laughs) One bad thing, and this is tough, after a lot of thought, Bonnie Bedelia's haircut. Perm city. Don't get it. I won't get it. I refuse to get it. It's awful. And then another good thing. Here's a big surprise then, because he's probably not used to too many compliments these days. Uh, I'm going to say Bruce Willis, because back then, when he wasn't a complete douchebag, he was awesome, and he was awesome in this. He was relatable, and he was charming.
1: That's so true, so true. What about you, Gidge?
3: The good part about it it is it is just a fantastic movie. It's so good. It launched so many sequels, so you always know that initially that first movie is, and this is the best of all of them, I still think. Mm. uh The bad thing, and I mentioned this on Twitter, and everyone was like a oh, gasp. But I hate the ending. I just, it's that typical American. Everyone's got to have their shot, and it just—I uh, think it's sold out right at the end. And I agree with Paul completely. I think Bruce Willis is perfect in this. He was filming Moonlighting during the day, and that's why most of this is set at night. So he was doing both Moonlighting and Die Hard, and he was so exhausted that it was actually worked out well for the other actors because they were given beefier roles because they just had to give Bruce Willis a break. But he, you know, if if it had been Arnie or Sly, or someone else like that in the role, it just wouldn't have been believable.
4: Mm.
3: He comes across as very much the average man, and I think this that's why this movie worked as well men could relate to him women liked him and found him attractive and men didn't find him threatening and i think no, that's a
1: good point yeah, yeah
3: I, th- I think that's people could relate they're just like, like he's a cop he's not special forces or a marine or anything like that he's just a new york cop so that's my compliment sandwich
1: nice coming in hard with the trivia there early as well good job. <laughs> i
3: can't i can't yeah. help myself it's in my bones <laughs>
2: <laughs> my first good thing is i loved bruce willis's or john McLean's little monologues you know he was alone quite a lot in this movie, but his comic kind of one-liners and his little things that he did, he was quite happy keeping himself entertained, you know, that (laughs) whole time. Which was really cool. Like you said, Gidget made him really likeable. Yeah. My bad thing is also at the end of the movie, but just slightly different to yours. It is Holly at the end, turning and just falling head over heels again for John after she's moved across the country taken the kids away from him changed her surname then all of a sudden boom she's in the back of the limo pashing him
1: you're trying to tell me (laughs) that if I fought off an entire tower full of terrorists after pissing you off. You wouldn't have forgiven me at all? I
2: would all? have been internally grateful, but it really... It's not
0: le- you, as me. <laughs>
2: it depends on what you've done prior. I don't
0: know. Well, and don't forget the start of the movie, there is that scene where quite clearly she's throwing him out a bit of a chance to reconcile, and because he's an idiot, prideful man, which he then immediately chastises himself for, he doesn't take the bait when she says... There's a bed made up for you. The kids would love to have you. And he says, the kids are. She goes, I'd love to have you too. So there is a precedent there that she wants it to work again. That's it. And and she also, and she
3: explained very clearly why she changed her last name. It wasn't to insult him. It was because working for a Japanese company, they prefer a single woman rather than a married woman. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what she told him. So it's not even like she changed her last name to just go, I'll stuff you. (laughs) <laughs> so there, was always that, that. there was always that a... feeling there. She still loves him, I think, even at the beginning of the movie. And by the end, it's that whole fireman thing. You know, old <laughs> women have got things for firemen because they come and no, rescue sweet, you. Yeah. Even if they're not that good looking, you're just like, you're a fireman. Harbiter, harbiter. So, yeah, I understand why she gave him a big old passion It's a wonder she didn't give him a blowy in the limo, to be oh. honest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe the camera cut away. <laughs> the
1: director's cut probably has that, yeah.
2: <laughs> be a better ending.
1: Yeah. <laughs> For him. Uh,
2: (laughs) For your happy one.
4: Yes.
2: (laughs) My final good thing is also at the end when we finally made it there. I loved the end soundtrack, Let It Snow. It was just so bright and cheerful after this really tense, long, you know, thing of what's going to happen, who's going to die and all this kind of thing. I was like, felt an overwhelming sense of relief. (laughs) That it was over. (laughs) No, that it all worked out, you know, mostly. For the good guys.
1: <laughs> I'm going to start with my bad thing, because my bad thing is exactly what you just said, Stacey. <laughs> when this movie ends, I'm like, no, give me more. I can't watch. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of Christmas carols, and to end on a Christmas carol is enough for me to go, oh, goddammit, I want more. So then, flipping it over to my two good things, you guys have sort of touched on this. Like, the action feels real. Like, it feels believable. You see him walking over glass and injuring his feet and, you know, getting hurt and all that sort of stuff, and it feels believable. It's not mm-hmm. like a like you guys are right, like not like a Arnie or Rambo movie where you know they get shot in the chest and keep walking or anything like that. And uh, yeah, similar to what you're saying, Gidget about how all the other side characters had more to do. That was Marla thing too. I mean, there's some really memorable side characters for sure. And in most action films, you just you don't get that. You just remember the main dude and the villain, and that's it. But this, they're all given like decent, meaty roles and something to
0: sort of hang their hats on, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Nice, that's it. Very nice. All right, second question then. What item from this film would you want or not want... To be.
3: I would like to be one of Takagi's artworks. He has the most beautiful collection of museum pieces in his hmm. office and I'd just like one of them. Okay,
2: nice. mm. It was very beautiful. Yeah. Was, yeah. Okay, I'm going with something I would not want to be. I wouldn't want to be the donuts that end up squished all over Sergeant <laughs> Powell's car when <laughs> he gets smashed by a body and then goes down a ditch.
0: Yep, nice.
2: <laughs> Bye-bye donuts.
1: <laughs> For me, I want to be the real MVP of this movie. The Christmas tape That taped the gun to the back of John McCain's back That's me, I do my job I save the universe, I'm the man
0: (laughs) (laughs) You do say so yourself (laughs) Is this the question from uh, your patron extraordinaire Phil Joynton, is that right? That's correct, yes Yes, This is from him Forgot to mention that All right. I would not want to be John McCain's singlet That thing starts out pearly white And ends up being grey, cut up, hanging by a thread And is probably actually only held together By a combo of his blood and his sweat
4: (laughs) Oh,
1: good answer Wouldn't smell good either No
0: Definitely not. No. Cool, so next question, Gidge.
3: What quote from this film would you definitely not want to hear immediately after having sex?
2: So this is a quote from Alice. Hey, babe, I negotiate million-dollar deals before breakfast. I think I can handle this euro trash. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice, I That's like good, that. That's good, Stace. Yep. Very
1: nice. uh, my one would be, you'd have made a pretty good cowboy yourself, Hans. And wallet- <laughs> It kind of seems a little bit innocuous. I would like to point out that my mum recently, or in the last couple of years, got remarried to a guy named Hans. So (laughs) this makes it triply creepy for me.
0: (laughs) Well, from one creepy slash inappropriate answer to another, and I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that I've nailed this one in a moment of black humored inspiration. Here it is. I was in junior high, dickhead.
4: (laughs) Oh,
0: Oh, that's good.
3: All levels are creepy. (laughs) I would just simply not want to hear after sex. Just a fly in the ointment hands, a monkey in the wretch, a pain in the ass.
1: (laughs) That's very belittling. So this would have been Dan's question, but since he's not here, I'll read it out for him. Uh, and this question comes courtesy of our other awesome Patreon, Emily Higgins, who runs Tastes Podcast, in which she compares two films, one that everybody loves that she thinks is crap, but one that everyone hates that she thinks is awesome. So she wants to know what film would be the best or the worst to watch with this as a double header.
2: You can decide if it's best or worst. I'm going with a double hard. Die hard and get hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's totally, <laughs> totally different movies
1: <laughs> Not bad, not bad at all I do get hard to Die Hard, but no I, uh,
3: I would pick to watch with this Die Hard I would go for a more recent movie And it would be the most recent movie of Dread You
0: can see that for sure Yeah, that'd be good
3: It all takes place in a building uh, You've got the hero against the group of baddies And I just thought, I thought, what's a, what's a similar sort of more modern day film And plus I love the most recent movie of dread. I think it's a great yeah. movie. Do I do that as a doubleheader?
1: I want to go do that now. I'll catch you
0: guys later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, bye. <laughs>
3: Screw the podcast. Might do the same.
0: <laughs> I, I went with the worst answer. I went with a good day to die hard because if you watch that film or this film and then that film straight after, there's no way you wouldn't be ready to gouge out both your eyes and protest just how far this series and Bruce Willis have fallen.
1: Yeah, I'm in a very similar vein to you. I went with that surrogates. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Similar vein, just Bruce Willis has just given up on life and just appearing in a couple of films for God knows why. Oh, it'd absolutely be the worst.
3: It's just phoning it in, isn't it? And he does it with the interviews now as well. It's just don't bother. You know, don't do the press junket if you're not going to be enthused or or even put any effort in. Just stay at home.
0: You're an actor. How hard can it be?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, it's that time. Mm-hmm. How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this film?
1: Oh, I've got an easy answer for this. I want him to play Carl, one of the God le- head damn it, Sam.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had a feeling someone else was going to take this answer. <laughs> or even, even the third brother. You know, there's three of them Nicolas Cage with a wig on, con hair style, con hair, con hair. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bleach blonde con here?
1: Con here, definitely all over it. I could just imagine it, just screaming,
2: I want blood!
4: That's exactly blood! the one!
0: It is scary how similar your answer is. That is frightening. That's exactly the moment I wanted to see Nick Cage do as well.
4: Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> Virtual high five Paul. Yeah, yes. there it is. And just imagine their their end fight scene. Nicholas Cage v. Bruce Willis with, as you said, Nicholas Cage's hair and then yeah, gets hung up and he's hanging. It'll be awesome. That's my answer as well. I I can't even come up with something else on the spot, so kicking it right along.
3: I actually wrote down I would like to see Nicolas Cage as the quirky Argyle, the limo driver. He's pretty much by himself the entire time. He can just slowly go insane sitting down in that limo in the basement. As we know from Vampire's Kiss, he does very well on his own. like He doesn't need a supporting cast. He can just go for it, so that's my pick. That's true,
1: that's true. And this is the same year as Vampire's Kiss, isn't it? So we would have got him walk off one seat onto the other, really.
2: Yes, yeah, (laughs) crazy ass. I'm going with a bit of a douchebag bad character, and that was the TV reporter, yeah. Richard Thornbury. Is that his name? That's yeah. it.
1: Thornberg. Yep. Thornberg.
2: Yeah. I love it how in the end, in the final scene, when Holly's heading towards the limo, she just punches him in the face. i just love to see that happen to Nicolas Cage.
0: Very nice. Oh, I get it. I get it. Well done, Stacey. It's nice he managed to work in a role for Nick Cage where he gets punched in the face. I get what you did there. <laughs> Well done. That moves us on to the
1: personal questions, and I am going to start us off. Now, this question normally gets applied to every podcast we do, and I didn't want to leave it out. So, guys, I want to know what would
0: be the porn parody name for this film. I couldn't decide between guy hard or lie hard, so I went. And, <laughs> I went and looked it up. There actually is a porn parody this film called Die Hard Core. So let's go with that. <laughs> I have the same Google search, Paul. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Reviewed it for about three minutes And yes, it's uh, a yeah. <laughs> fine film, fine film. A <laughs> few plot differences But it uh, sort of matches up It's
3: all about the research, boys
1: <laughs> Very hands-on with the research Yeah, I
3: put, I put a little bit more effort into this answer Than I did all the other ones Because <laughs> this is the first answer I've, I did So I would call it Die Hard On And the synopsis is John McThrobinvane has, has to try and stop Hans Pooper and his gang of anal obsessed terrorists from stealing the world's Viagra supply from the Nookie Blow Me Tower on Christmas Eve. Oh, well Holy done.
4: shit! Make well
3: that done. movie now, Hollywood. Yes, oh, yes. Hello, winner. porn companies. I've just I've handed it to you in a basket.
2: <laughs> wow, a lot of thought did go into that. <laughs> yes, a little bit too much thought, actually.
1: <laughs> hey, Colonel, what do you think about this?
2: <laughs> he helped me write it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think mine is, um, using a, a made-up word, potentially. Mine is diehard with a vaginus. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, I'm, I'm riffing on the diehard with a vengeance kind of.
1: Oh, with a vaginus. <laughs> yeah.
2: Is that what Whatever you call it is? down there in New Zealand?
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of the 17 million words we have for it. Moves you on to my next question. A lot of them in this film, but come on, guys. Who is
0: the biggest dumbass? As you said, there's a lot, but it's got to be Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robertson. He's idiotic from the get-go. He makes super dumbass calls from the moment that he arrives. Uh, For example, for all we know, he could be one of the terrorists, which is just daft. He doesn't know when the terrorists are shooting out the lights and effectively fires Al disagreeing with him. Then the FBI guys arrive and he defers them quicker than any jurisdictional dispute I've ever seen in movie history, only to then return after they die to being an arsehole when John gets out of the building and almost gets punched in the face for it. At least the reporter guy was doing his job and Ellis was coked up. No such excuse for Dwayne T. Robertson.
1: Oh, that's a
0: good answer. That's a good answer.
3: I was so tempted to go with him and I thought, I reckon everyone else is going to pretty much pick him. I actually went with the female policewoman taking John's call. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice
3: She drives me spare She might drive me more spare Than anyone else in the movie Like even even John McLean loses it with her On the phone and No she's shit like, lady Do you... I sound like I'm ordering
5: A fucking pizza
3: <laughs> Yeah exactly And she's like Sir if you just hang up And then if it's emergency Phone nine no, And you're just like Ah you know, oh, just. She should have been fired She should have been fired So I picked her I don't know what her name is Her, you, you know who you are, (laughs) female police officer working at the police station.
2: This is so fantastic because when I said my answer for this to Sam, he said, no, 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 you've got to come up with some backups in case people pick them. So what do you think my number one and two were? <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you guys just said. Seriously? That's amazing. So lucky, yeah. lucky I've got my number three. And that is the, the terrorist dude who chased John. Oh, so he, he's on top of the table. Yeah, John's yeah, yeah. underneath the table shooting him up. And then he says, don't hesitate. And then he hesitates and he gets shot by John from <laughs> yeah. underneath the table. That's some good over verse, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Let
1: like, me give what? you some advice. and my final question i wonder if we're all going to have the same answer to this based on our limited knowledge of each other via our podcast which one of us do we reckon would have the best chance against a gang of terrorists
0: sam it can't be you Is my answer because (laughs) you always talk about being dead in the first five minutes of a film so i'm sure you would be the unfortunate extra who copped a bullet from the terrorists as they came through the door yeah uh I did write about Dan here, but he's not Dan's not around. Obviously, so we can skip all over that. Uh, it wouldn't be me because I'd probably try and reason with them a la Holly. And when I uttered a smart-ass line like you did when you shot my boss, they'd just shoot me in the head. So, <laughs> I'm giving it to either Gidget or Stacy, But I reckon Gidget would be more willing to sell us all out for a debonair man in a suit. So, Gidget.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh that's a, that, You know, that's a great pick because I actually have a big thing for Alan Rickman. There you go. Yep. Yeah, so I would be, I would woo, woo him with my women wiles <laughs> I picked all of you, just not me.
1: <laughs> I, could, I do love a good reverse answer on this podcast. That's a good one, Gage.
3: Yeah, so I just, and including Dan, he's not here, all of you apart, apart from me because I can't keep my mouth shut. I'd say something stupid and, yeah, I'd probably just get shot by, not by Hans because he'd fall in love with me, but probably by, by one of the other people. <laughs> Carl, Germans.
0: Carl would be jealous. <laughs>
2: Not for me to go around. Gidget, I picked you for exactly that reason. Your strengths is you'd be the best negotiator. You'd have a lot to say on the situation, and I'm sure, as you say, you could win him over. (laughs) Woohoo!
3: I'm liking these answers. I hate my answer. All your answers are great.
1: (laughs) I'd just like to point out that Stacey is somehow managing her way through a marriage with a human tornado, so I reckon (laughs) she'd probably do a stand-up for good chance. Similar to you, Gigi. When I thought of this, I was like, fuck anyone but me. I, I like Paul's answer. I would I'd either be Alice or just some hapless dude that gets a bullet right at the start. Like, hey, what's going on? Bang.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just walked out of the bathroom. Hey, where's the party? Poof. Yeah,
1: can I take a slash? I mean, let's kill one of these hostages to show them we mean business. That dude. We're going for that dude right there.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: that...
0: Look at oh, that, oh, that face. that guy. Him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're on my set of questions now. And I kicked it off with this one. What would you write on the Dead Terrorist shirt to send a message to harm? Rather than now, I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. And if you could give your answer in your best Hans Gruber accent, that would be even better.
3: Okay, i got to do a British man doing a German accent. You have more balls than my Xmas tree. <laughs> 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 so, I'm so sorry for any German listeners. I am so sorry. No. <laughs> That's not, it's not good. I that was part
2: Russian, part oh, Christ knows what. But anyway. It's part awesome.
4: Nice.
2: <laughs> I hate these. I hate these um, questions. I'm terrible at accents. Absolutely terrible. Can't even do a New Zealand one. No, yeah. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what I'm up to. Um. Okay, send me some champagne next time.
4: <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> it's a Good. Christmas party, guys. I want some bubbles. I'm yeah. out there in the bloody air vents on my own. <laughs> even worse German accent than I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> I'm going to use some of the words from it and I'm going to basically say, Hey, guess what? Your mum's a ho,
0: ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very nice. I'll take all three of those answers. Well done. Next question, number 10. Argyle effectively quits his job by lying about driving to Vegas, racking up a massive phone bill, talking to his girlfriend or girlfriends on the car phone, Drinking the mini bar dry and then crashing the limo. What job would you most like to abuse the perks of and then quit on day one?
3: Just write down President of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I go in there, launch all news the and, then go, and I'm yeah. out of here. Bye. I'm pretty sure he's
0: decided to take Argyle's whole uh, <laughs> take on the world and just do it for four years.
2: <laughs>
3: oh dear. so what's your pick Stacey
2: oh mine's really boring compared to yours been a little bit inspired by Better Call Saul I've been watching a little bit of that oh He's quite so good. tricky with some of his little schemes so mine would be a furniture store so I think that I could refurnish our entire house within day one by redirecting all the deliveries going out to a secret location by which they get switched over into a truck that I've hired to direct them to <laughs> my house.
3: So, so which furniture store? What's your favourite oh, furniture I don't store?
2: Know. um Sam, <laughs> we're such girls. <laughs> what is going on?
1: <laughs> Welcome back to the Furniture Chatter, <laughs> <and> the <laughs> lovely ladies.
2: <laughs> okay, moving on.
1: My initial thought was brewery. Man, I could do a lot of damage by myself <laughs> in a brewery.
3: Good answer. To yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, to myself. I thought about that and then I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck am I on about? Everyone that knows me knows how much I love KFC. I'd just lock the doors, throw the meanest rager inside of KFC. So much so that when the cops arrive, they'll just find me covered in chicken.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Would you be like Cartman and you just like take all the skin off?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be wearing yeah, yeah. It like a trench coat or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like
3: leatherface. <laughs>
0: All right, my last one, question 11. Which three characters would you want stranded on a desert island with you and why?
3: Argyle for the tunes. Nice. Because he'd bring music. Harry for the coke. (laughs) <laughs> and Paulina the maid So she, that she can clean up after That's everybody good.
0: That's very good
2: Mine's a bit boring I just picked the three characters That were the, the most normal G- Yeah, most luck. tolerable Which is John, Holly and Sergeant Powell
0: oh, That'd be the three best mates for sure
1: though. I think yeah. see that. That's good yeah. I went with Argyle For pretty much the same reasons that Gidget mentioned The guy's the man He's awesome Mm-hmm like, you know, you're stuck on a desert island. You're going to need some counselling. need some help you get through that. And what better person than our pal? He's perfect, the sergeant. Yeah. Nice. And then finally, yeah, I'd have the only female in the movie, Holly. You do need some female company if you're stranded <laughs> alone on a desert island.
2: <laughs> you don't want the pregnant lady. Things are getting – <laughs>
1: I would be in no position to be giving birth to a child on his desert island, let alone in society.
3: Yeah, but you got Sergeant Al Powell there, so he could deliver the baby for you. Oh, he'd
2: be awesome at that. He's all over everything.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's true.
0: He'd be like, Uh, Sam, if you are what I think you are, you'll know when to listen, when to shut up, and when to give me that baby. That's so true. That's a good point. All
3: right, so it's my question time now. Uh, And strangely enough, I went kind of 80s. What quirky John Hughes movie role would you cast Hans Gruber in?
2: I'd love to see him as one of the wet bandits in Home Alone.
1: Ooh, that's good. I would have loved to have seen him in The Breakfast Club as the swami, angry... Uh, is it the dean or the principal or the whatever teacher. that's holding the te- It's just the teacher, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the there's It's also that's Dwayne
0: sold- T. Robinson, believe it or not. That's right. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would have been my answer. Totally would work. I went with the first thing that came to mind, which is I want him to be Uncle Buck. Get a oh. scene
4: yeah.
0: in that kitchen in his designer suit, sipping on tea while Macaulay gives him the third degree and eventually <laughs> ending the conversation by pointing a gun at him and saying, I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that'd, that'd, that'd be a very different themed movie, I would think. The shooting of a young Macaulay Culkin well, he in their head
0: because Macaulay would shut up, but then that would all be good from there.
3: Okay, my next uh, question is: rather than them being German, what other country
2: would you make them from? That is funny. I think this would be funny if they were Australian. Oh, God <laughs> damn it! Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, <Stacey. laughs> a resounding damn it.
3: <laughs> it is weird hearing an Australian accent. As the baddies.
1: Yeah, like Bennett. Mm.
3: (laughs) Because we're just so good. We're such good people. We don't have baddies here. Sure. Sure. (laughs) I've seen Wolf Creek, mate. (laughs) I've seen Once for Warriors.
1: (laughs) New Zealand's favourite romantic comedy, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it's hilarious.
1: (laughs) I had a backup, and the last time I tried this accent, I almost had to get a deportation lawyer, Mm. and I am going to go with Scotland. So I can only imagine an angry <laughs> Scotsman finding Kyle's <laughs> body and going, now I have a machine gun. Ho,
4: ho, ho. Fire <laughs> you fucking bat, daddy.
0: <laughs> that is terrible. That is truly terrible. Thank you. Yeah. For you overshowing the oh, shit out through me before. <laughs> Um, Okay, well, I'm going to roll with what I said, even though, because I elaborated a little bit more. I said Australians as well. Uh, Can you imagine if Hans rocked up dressed in a singlet, footy shorts and thongs, a la Brian Brown and crew in two hands, and started barking orders? Like, all right, nobody fucking move, okay? Don't don't make me have to shoddy any of you stuck-up wankers. (laughs) Or... I wanted this to be in and out fast, you know, quick and clean. Like Mr. Fancy Pants, boss man, didn't come to the barbie, so I shotted him in the face. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he he was genuinely scary in Two Hands. He was, oh, yeah, he was terrifying. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: They, were, they were all good there. That that line from Two Hands, which still gets said today in my in my friendship circle, shot is good, mate.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. New all it. right. So my very last question is: instead of Bonnie Badella, cast a kick us female action star is Holly, so she can help her husband out.
2: Well, maybe Bruce's wife could help him out, and at the time, that was Demi Moore. Okay. Yeah. she she's yeah. not a, yeah. an action star, so that's why I was like, hmm, but who oh, knows? she's pretty good in G.I. Jane. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. that too. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Cool. That
1: she works. did some good action scenes in Striptease. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Different kind of action. <laughs> so, Sam?
1: I had to, and I know I'm going to sully the reputation of two of my favourite sci-fi movies. If I pick one of them, God Grrr. damn you! I know you've probably got the other one. No, I'm going to go with it. Linda Hamilton. No, 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 we're safe. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> I knew you had the other one. I knew how much of it. A- so, L- Linda in T2. Yeah Linda, yeah, Linda Hamilton T2. You know, when she's doing chin-ups and shit. Good line yep. from Hunt for the Water People. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Like it. Nice. Good. I oh, especially nice. like it because you didn't pick this one, Sigourney Weaver. She'd yeah. hold her own with Hans. She'd keep Ellis at bay with a punch in the kidney. And most importantly, this is around the time of Working Girl, so she totally nails that perm. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah. Yes, cool. yeah. true. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. But good pick. I, l- I love Sigourney Weaver. She can't do any wrong.
1: And that moves us on to Dan's questions, which I am basically just going to insert here because he's going to send them to us post podcast, post-episodically.
5: I guess is the word for it, oh, I wouldn't have a clue. Later. Yeah, later. There we go. Hello, Sam, Stacy, Gidget, and Paul. It's Daniel from the IMDb Journey podcast here. Sorry I couldn't be there to discuss this great film with you, but I still have a couple of questions here for you guys to answer. So let's go with question 15. Hans mentions Rambo's name when first speaking to McLean. How would the movie have gone differently if it actually was Rambo loose in the building instead of McLean? Well, the film would have been about 90 minutes shorter because as soon as a terrorist
0: came storming into the building, he would have pulled out the M16 he always travels with for just such an occasion. <laughs> Not someone's tie as a bandana over his head and strode out amongst the terrorists... Uh, mowing them and probably several unfortunate Nakatomi employees down in a merciless display of machismo fueled violence. Then he would lit a cigarette off Hans's corpse and stare down with a hint of a twitch to one of his eyes as he saw he had also hit Holly and killed her in the exchange fade out. <laughs>
3: nice. I think we know what Paul's favourite question was. <laughs> Mine is really short. I just said the same but with more carnage, yeah, if no, that's no. possible. <laughs>
2: This one, this one was really hard for me because I've never seen a Rambo movie. But yeah, I just oh. figured there'd be <laughs>
4: what?
3: What? You haven't even seen First Blood? I just no, up in no, no, no. Oh,
2: Stacey, tonight, Stacey. <laughs> Come on. I can't be the only girl in the world that watches all these movies and loves them. It's like, ah! Well, maybe, maybe. I have watched a few Arnie movies this year, so maybe it's time to move on to Sly. Mm. But anyway, I mean, I kind of did have an idea of what it would be about, and I just thought way more shooting. Like you said, gadget. A lot
1: more carnage. For me, the way this would have been the most different is it wouldn't be as quotable as we all remember it. Because if you think of a Sliced Alone quote, aside from his sort of monosyllabic, Adrian, Adrian! <laughs> you, you can't really think of any. And could you imagine? I am the law. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't ask that question, there Sam. That. You've got some experts on the line. <laughs> it's true, but there is that. But could you just
1: imagine, like?
4: He's, blah, he's,
3: blah, not, blah, blah. he's not up there with the Arnie. No, quicks. for sure not. No. No.
1: Plus, I also think because this was at the height of Stallone like egoism he probably would have not allowed other characters in this movie to have much of a say as they did it would have been an hour and a half of no look i oh, would have look really awesome <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> cool so dan's next question was question 16 mclean has yippee Kaye, motherfucker what would be your quippy one-liner Mm,
0: this was the hardest question of the lot and I really Shit, yes. thought about this for a long time and I thought, well, how can we incorporate our show into it? So, I was going to be like, eat all the asses but, uh, <laughs> or take that Wayne. But in the end, I, I couldn't sort of make something work out of that. So, I went and stole directly from an obscure movie called Mystery Men. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I went with every time, you know, basically I killed someone, I would go with, I am number one, all others are number two or lower. <laughs>
3: I would actually steal it. It was it was between two things. So one of quote is from a movie. I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy.
1: Oh,
0: the Departed.
3: And yeah, yep, yeah, Departed. And also, jingle these bells, douche poodle.
0: <laughs> Where's that from?
3: I just made that oh, one up. Yeah, I didn't say it correctly though. It was like jingle these bells, douche poodle. <laughs>
2: I found this really, really hard too. So I stole something from one of my favorite TV shows, which has season five, final fifth season coming out in January, Broad City.
1: Oh, I knew you were going to talk about (laughs) Broad City.
2: (laughs) And I'm terrible at this. I can't really do it. But one of their uh, quippy lines is, yes, queen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My uh, my one is also a Christmas theme. It would have been just as John drops Hans off the side of the building, he would have looked at him and said, time to catch the sleigh to fuck off, land.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh!
3: Yeah, that's a that's a ripper, that one.
5: <laughs> well, uh, moving on to Dan's final question, which was... Question 17. Who is your favourite secondary character, and why is it Ellis? Uh, look, sorry, Dan, I couldn't agree with you here. I went with Argyle, because...
0: As suggested earlier in my question, he gives absolutely zero fucks. Like he'll hang around a scene to help out his first ever customer, and fuck everyone else who was supposed to be part of that day. He would have your back, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and he can drive your car.
0: That too, yeah, that's yeah, true.
3: bonus. Yeah, I, I just went with it, it is Harry Ellis.
0: Oh, yeah. Well yeah. done Dan yeah. yeah,
3: He plays it so beautifully He is such Just a, a creep He's trying to crack onto John McClane's wife He's just a Creepy idiot And you know When John tries to advise him On the on the CB radio You know You're making a mistake And he's just like Oh I got this in the bag And he's just like Oh you total tool burger So I picked him <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nice nice
2: I've got to stick with my old favourite, Al Powell. (laughs) Sergeant Powell.
0: He's awesome.
1: Yeah, see, I split. I had Al Powell and Argyle. I couldn't decide between the two of them, so yeah. Sorry, Gidget, you gave the wrong answer. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. And then, uh, yeah, that moves us on to Stacey's questions.
2: Okay, so tell me about your worst work Christmas party experience
1: our work used to have a Christmas party at a golf course and then one of the guys at our work who was probably in his 40s or 50s decided to have a monumental midlife crisis divorced his wife got a hot younger model shaved all his hair off renounced Christianity basically just stopped giving two fucks about anything so we're at a Christmas party at this golf course when somebody says hey look old mate's out on the golf course having sex with his missus so the floodlights went on there he is (laughs) banging her on the 18th (laughs) green We, we tell the tell the bloody staff there they don't know what to do, so they flip the sprinklers on. That just makes it so harder. <laughs> so I, I thought that was pretty bad. And then the following year, we're all for some reason he didn't get fired, but the next year we're all giving him shit about it and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you boys ain't seen nothing. And we're like, okay. And sure enough, 15 minutes later, he's having sex with her in the guy's toilets and basically gets asked to leave. So he goes outside and says, oh, he got asked by the CEO, actually, to go to get out. And the CEO and him started having a fight, possibly while he was still, you know, Wow. Yep. So they had a bit of an argument. He goes, yep, fine. We're leaving. Went outside. One of our friends went out for a smoke, came back in. He goes, guess what? He's uh, banging her on the CEO's car right now. Oh. Uh. Did you get fired <laughs> then? No. What?
2: Wow. What oh. kind of workplace is this? I KFC? Fit-
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is when I work for those porn studios. So it was like... <laughs>
2: All
0: right. Well, that's a hard act to follow, but... <sighs> I've got two. I've got like an answer which is safe and I've got an answer which is like circa 2080 offensive. So, I'll say the the normal one and then if you want to keep the other one in, you can. If not, you can cut it. Okay. I work in a female-dominated industry. So, at almost every Christmas party, I get stuck next to the big boss because he's a male and likes sport And I'm a male and I like sport, which is apparently enough for us to be best bros when it comes to, you know, alcohol-based work functions. (laughs) So, I could pick any number of Christmas parties where he's had a couple too many and is getting borderline offensive with his comments to our, you know, my colleagues and his uh, employees. But I can't say anything to him because generally I want to keep my job. So, it's a pretty boring answer, but that's the honest one. Or... Or I could tell you about the very offensive gay joke Which was in an adult Christmas cracker That I opened at a Christmas party once (laughs) Circa 2008 And we were all asked to read them out So I went (gasps) round the table And mine was by far the worst Couldn't get away with it today in 2018 So, you know This is literally what happened at a work Christmas party I'd had one, maybe two beers What's the last thing you want to hear at a gay bar? Can I push your stool in?
2: Whoa. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> what kind of Christmas crackers were these?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Literally called adult Christmas crackers. Guess what? They were never bought again at my workplace. <laughs>
1: Imagining you, poor Paul, just standing up and reading that out, and being like, oh, "I didn't oh come up God. with this. Don't look at me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not my fault. Don't shoot the messenger."
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh my. my. Mine is mine is so boring, and and it's not that I'm boring at Christmas parties. It's just I can't remember anything. The one that I did remember is when I used to work at 20th Century Fox at, Mo- at Moore Park. Oh, we had a big Christmas party. I was pretty sloshed. My shoes got stolen because we'd all taken our shoes off to dance on the dance floor. So there was no taxis. So I had to walk all the way into the city from Moore Park to get a taxi on the way i tried in not one but two piles of chewing gum that had fallen on the floor oh, yuck. so when i got home in the taxi i hadn't realised because i had my bare feet the chewing gum had stuck my foot both my feet to the carpet in the back of the taxi <laughs>
1: So when I went to get out,
3: only my top half left. Left the taxi. and The taxi driver I had to come around and like, pull my feet up. Yeah, so that's that's one of the that's the only clean one I can remember. All the rest are absolutely filthy. So oh, nice. I'll go with that. <laughs> Classic.
2: That's great,
1: Gidge. Uh, Rough. Yeah,
2: awesome answers, guys. Okay, so hit me with it, film nerds. What could modern action films learn from Die Hard?
1: Taking that every man and putting him in positions where it gets increasingly harder and all that sort of stuff, but the injuries stay. And you're not having people walk through fucking hails of gunfire and all that sort of shit. Like, I was thinking about that. But actually, the other thing, too, is, like, they took a comedian and put him into an action movie, and it came out great. So maybe they could do that again, where they take a couple of comedians and put them into action movies. Now, Paul, you've mentioned on your show your love for the recent Jumanji movie. And I'm, I'm yeah. there with you. Like, that was yeah. one of my standout action movie hits. And really, it was like, I've never been a Jack Black fan or a Kevin Hart. I mean, I'd leave it or leave it with those two. But they were both, like,
0: really decent in that. Especially Jack Black. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, uh, I think the question's slightly wrong here, if I'm honest, Stacey. It's like, what could the modern action film not learn from Die Hard? Because mm. it's perfect. The characterizations, <laughs> the acting, tension, the pacing, the action set pieces, it all comes together in a way we hadn't seen before and I would argue haven't seen again. And before I get too serious, I'd even be A-OK with a random pair of breasts being thrown in for no apparent reason. As per the scene where the couple are getting on in the office when Hans and his goons burst in. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love random 80s tits, eh? That's it. That's the only reason they're in that film because it's the 80s and we have to. It's uh, apparently a contractual obligation.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yep. and the poster in the steer well as well. I was well, just bringing
1: was that a ladies. Nice touch.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's being
1: chased by terrorists, but he has the time to stop and check out the f- titties
0: on the wall as he walks past.
3: Doesn't he kiss his fingers and then kiss? Yes, yeah. yeah, he kind yeah, of yeah, blocks yeah. their view and says, <laughs> "Ladies,"
0: as he runs past. Yeah.
3: Look, I would say that, and this is missing in a lot of movies: is just it's got a story, it's got a beginning, it's got a middle, and an end. And I know that sounds really stupid to say, but there's just so many movies that just seem lost. And not only that, the characterization, as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, everyone's got a character. You know that person. Mm. And I think so many so many movies just throw so much right at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, first of all, I don't care about these people. I don't care about anyone mm. in this movie that I'm watching. I don't know who they are. I don't know what sort of person they are. And that's always a good test if it's if it's a movie like this. You know, if someone came to you and said, describe John McClane, mm. yeah. describe Hans Gruber, y- you you can. Yeah. Because you, you know who these people are, and and that's the great thing. And and another great thing is the music is absolutely fantastic. Mm. And you know, it's good good use of songs we already know, famous Christmas songs. Beethoven. And I particularly, yeah, exactly. I particularly listened to the score the last time I watched this movie, and I just thought it's perfect just just like the in lethal weapon you know it's just iconic so there's a lot that could be learned from Die diehard yeah, definitely totally.
2: good answers guys very informative okay so i just threw this one in as a bit of fun we all loved bruce willis in this role but let's just recast him for fun
1: <laughs> you're trying to give us a mental breakdown you even told me this when you were coming out with this question you were like <laughs> Like, I know these guys are going to fucking shit bricks. They're trying to ruin, (laughs) potentially ruin their favourite film by recasting it.
2: Hey, just hypothetically (laughs) here.
1: For me, if I was recasting it in the 80s, the other one that was a comedian that made the jump to action films and did them amazingly was Eddie Murphy. And this would have been roughly around the height of his powers. Yep. Coming after Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours and all those ones. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I'd take. I I really struggle to think of someone nowadays that I'd recast this with. I just don't feel like there's anyone Mm. out there. there's no real every man who's slightly beefcakey, but not like Arnold beefcakey.
0: There's no. Well, hang on. If I can launch off that, Sam, because we actually did a recasting of Die Hard and we did it as if it were being remade today, about two and a half years ago on the show. And my answer then was Matt Damon, because he's a bit more relatable than most of these action heroes. Even as Jason Bourne, he wasn't quite so ridiculously over the top and, and superhuman compared to, I think, anyway, the, the everyday person. Besides. Really, the only I think the only action hero star we have today is The Rock, and we've already seen his version of Die Hard called Skyscraper, and not it about it.
1: <laughs> Funny you mentioned Matt Damon, because for some reason that line has burnt in my head out of 40-year-old Virgin, where Paul Rudd is watching Jason Bourne, and he's like, man, I always thought Damon was a fucking Streisand, but he's kicking ass.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good pick, though, because he was great as Bourne. He does come across as the everyday sort of man. He's not super ripped or anything like that, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's a good pick. Thanks.
3: I would pick uh, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah, good old Bill.
0: Yep, back in the 80s for sure.
3: Yep, yep, back in his Aliens days, you know, he played a Marine, but he can also represent the everyday man, so that's that's who I'd pick. Nice.
2: Yeah, good answers. Well done, guys. I didn't actually have an answer for this, but as soon as you said Beefcake, Sam, guess what popped into my head? Chris Hemsworth-
4: <laughs> oh, with, oh,
1: oh,
2: as is uh, John McLean. <laughs>
1: Somewhere right now, some studio executive's assistant has gone, ooh, and gone straight to their boss. And I bet you, within the next two to three years, we're going to see a diehard rebooted with Chris Hemsworth. Because they've already tried with one Australian of Joy Courtney. Oh, God. No,
2: no, no,
3: no. Cancel that. Let's forget about that. And they'll they'll get Margot Robbie to play uh, his wife. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm all right with that. Mm -hmm.
1: Hugh Jackman as Hans Gruber.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, sorry. Hugh Jackman can't. He's just announced a world tour singing for the next year.
4: oh
2: Oh. yeah true and he's kind of I don't know does he play a baddie oh yeah
0: yeah he did in prisoners okay sort of sort of yeah Yeah.
1: anywho that takes us down to the end of our podcast I'd love to thank you guys for coming along and joining us my favourite Australian podcasters out there that's right we watch the thing in IMDB Junior you guys (laughs) bail me by not showing up to this one (laughs)
0: thank you so much for the invite again Sam and Stacey it's been a lot of fun to talk about such a great film and with such quality people as yourselves and Gidget
2: oh thanks Paul
3: well I have I've had an absolute ball I loved watching Die Hard again I really did uh yeah, I've seen it so many times anyway. Sam and Stacey, you're the perfect hosts. Uh, Paul, it was awesome being on your podcast as well. We've all done each other's podcasts. It's like a big, <laughs> big group hug. It is. I love it. It is. So it's but th- thanks. Thanks guys. And yeah, no, it was again, just super, super fun.
1: Now, Gidget, as the queen of 80s trivia, you don't have any random trivia facts you want to throw at us just to top off the end of the episode?
3: I've just got a couple. Uh, <laughs> when, the police...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> when the police dispatcher tells Sergeant Powell to investigate the Nakatomi building, she tells him it's a code too. This refers to an urgent incident where sirens are not to be used. Also, ironically, Bruce Willis sneered at for being all-American hero by the head German terrorist is actually more German than most of the villains. Alan Rickman was English and Alexander Goodenough was Russian. Bruce Willis was actually born on March the 19th, 1955 in West Germany yeah. to an American father and to a German mother. Mm. Uh, and the last bit of trivia, the scene in which Gruber and McLean meet was inserted into the script after Alan Rickman was found to be proficient at mimicking American accents. The filmmakers had been looking for a way to have the two characters meet prior to the climax and they capitalized on Rickman's talents.
1: Oh, that's nice. There we go.
3: It's just a couple just chucking it out there.
1: My only random bit of trivia that I only recently found out for this is that Bonnie Bedelia, aka Holly McLean, is Macaulay Culkin's auntie. Is that right?
3: What? Yes,
1: (laughs) I did not know that.
3: Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't know that. Well done. That might Sam. be the first
0: time that Gidget's ever been stumped. Yeah.
3: I I am I am impressed. I love hearing new trivia, so I'm impressed. Call me impressed. That that's
1: awesome. So anyway guys, why don't you tell us about where to find your shows and uh, yeah, and then we'll do our final sign off.
3: Go on to Google, type in The Retro Cinema Podcast. We are on every device you can possibly think of uh, and a couple of others that we've only just found out that we're on. So uh, yeah, just just Google The Retro Cinema Podcast. If you love 80s movies, come and check us out because we only speak about the ones we love. So
0: very nice. Uh, and you can search for The Countdown by typing The Countdown movie interior TV reviews. Like Gidget, we're on pretty much all the listening platforms. We host through Podbean. So, if you are on the Podbean app or have a membership there, you can follow the show. And uh, I guess the other main way is oh, we have a Facebook listener community. So, if you're on Facebook, get involved in that. There's lots of chat, lots of back and forth and uh, some really cool people that hang out there, including Sam. Yeah. Nice <laughs> to have him involved. <laughs> Got nothing better to do. Hope no one from Waiwka is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Only between the hours of six PM and six AM do I ever see things from Sam.
1: That's correct. That's
0: correct. True story.
1: Yeah, and if you guys liked our show and want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Reviews in. find us on Facebook at Reviews in 20 qs send us an email at MRITQS. But uh, yeah, so from that, that's us. Thanks so much to these two for coming on and doing our Christmas special. Well, part one of our Christmas specials, we're going to do another Christmas special coming up soon. We're going to uh, get Emily Higgins, who's one of our patrons, who also runs the podcast that we mentioned earlier. We're going to have her on to do Nightmare Before Christmas. So, yeah, that'll be pretty cool.
2: Hey, thanks, guys. It's been wonderful to be a tiny little thorn in the side of this movie.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I'll just say, Yippee K.I., motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I
4: swore.
3: <Woo>. Yes. <laughs> well, you
1: can swear all over our one. We don't give a shit. <laughs> And now, as a special treat, we
5: have Daniel's answers to the questions. Now, I'm sure you all had decent answers to the questions, but I've actually got the correct answers over here. So let's go through them really quickly here. First good thing here is John McClane. He's a very relatable, down-to-earth hero here, which you hadn't really seen up until that point. You'd had Schwarzenegger, you had Stallone, these invincible action stars that you couldn't relate to. McClane is that relatable person. Something negative about the film is I have no idea how Carl managed to get off that chain when he was hung, it looked ridiculous, it didn't make any sense, and another good thing about the film is the secondary characters are all fantastic, they all get enough time to be fleshed out, and whether you end up liking them or hating them, that doesn't matter, the fact is you remember all of them. The item I wouldn't want to be in this movie is McLean's singlet. That looks ridiculous by the end of it. That is completely destroyed. I mean, a homeless person wouldn't want to even wear that. Nappy Sand definitely couldn't fix that. After having sex, I wouldn't want to hear. I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV. A film you could watch with this as a doubleheader is, in fact, Skyscraper. It could be the best because it would make Die Hard look even better than it already is. Or it could be the worst because it actually shows you how bad action tropes have gotten in the modern-day action films. I would put Nick Cage in as the terrorist receptionist, but you have to keep cutting back to him overreacting to the football game he's watching. The porn parody name for this is quite straight to the point and blunt. It's uh, Fuck Hard, only because you get the sequel, Fuck Hard, to Fuck Harder. The biggest dumbass, or the biggest dumbasses in this film, are Johnson & Johnson, because they basically hand everything to Hans on a silver platter. Which one of us would do best in a gang of terrorists? I'm going in with the 80s terrorist group here, and I'd have to say you, Gidget, because you are the 80s queen, and you would know all the little hints and tricks to outmaneuver these terrorists. The message I would write on the terrorist shirt, in the Hans voice, and in the modern age, would be, Now I have Snapchat send nudes. The job I'd like to take advantage of the perks of is a pimp, because, yep, three characters I'd want on the deserted island is Pal, because he's a bit overweight and we'd have to resort to cannibalism at some point. I'd have Argyle, because he seems like a ball of fun and we get along great. And I'd have Holly on there too, because, you know, she's easy on the eyes. As for Hans in a John Hughes movie, I would go with assistant principal Richard Vernon in The Breakfast Club. I could easily see him telling the students to... Don't mess with the bulls. You'd get the horn. Instead of them being German, I'd actually have them be Australian, because Aussies always sound hilariously weird to me, surrounded by Americans. Instead of Bonnie Bedelia, I'd actually cast Jennifer Garner. I think that she'd play the role quite well. My worst work Christmas party experience. A couple of us got so wasted that we spent the night slapping each other in the face as hard as we could. We couldn't feel it that night, of course, but we definitely woke up with some messed up faces. What could modern action films learn from Die Hard? The fact that you need to have relatable characters that you can get behind and root for or root against if they're the villain. They need to be likable. They need to be engaging. The action needs to be practical. There needs to be some stakes. Don't make them convoluted. This one is set in one simple building and it's amazing. And if I'm going to recast Bruce Willis, want to go with someone who's already played a young Bruce Willis, I'm going to go Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Thanks, everyone.